just come together this morning just seeking your face, seeking to, to know you better, Lord, to be shaped by your word. So, Lord, we just ask that, that you just reveal yourself to us, that you open our hearts and our ears, that we may hear what you would have to say to us be your words that are spoken. We trust in you, O Lord. That's why we gather here. Speak to us now. We love you. Amen. Today, we're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And today is Pentecost Sunday, so it's the birthday of the church. It's it's the day where we remember and celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. And yet, instead of looking at the usual passage from the book of Acts, we picked this passage from the Gospel of John because it's Jesus talking with his disciples about the Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to walk through this passage in John 14, verses 15 through 26, and look at what Jesus is saying to us. And think about and pray about and ask ourselves, hopefully, what this passage is saying to us and how this passage is calling to us today. And so John 14, verse 15, it opens with Jesus telling his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's a simple, straightforward verse that Jesus opens up with here with his disciples. And often when it comes to simple, short verses, we can move on but forget to look at the details. Like the details here that Jesus is saying, he's not saying, if you know about me, He's saying, if you love me, if you love me for who I am, not who you want me to be. If you love me as Savior, as Redeemer, as Teacher, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. There's no clause here about if it fits our schedules at the time or if it's inconvenient that we're that we're given a pass. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, even when it is inconvenient, even when it is painful at times. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then Jesus continues telling his disciples in verses 16 and 17, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. In verse two of this chapter, Jesus had told his disciples that he was about to go away to prepare a place for them. He was trying to prepare them for his eventual death and resurrection and ascension into heaven. But of course the disciples 
They didn't get it. Even when Jesus would outright say that he would have to suffer and die, and on the third day he would rise again, they didn't comprehend what he was saying. But at the same time, if we were in their position, I don't think we'd understand what he was saying either. And so Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for when he is going to leave. And he's saying, but listen, you're not going to be alone. Because God is going to send you an advocate, the Holy Spirit, who in verse 17, he calls also the spirit of truth. And he says that the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Now, Jesus isn't saying that there are some people marked by God as just never going to believe because God made them that way. But the thing is, that only through faith do we come to know the power of the Holy Spirit. It is only when we come to know Jesus as Lord that we are able to see and to understand through eyes of faith the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because if non-believers don't know Jesus, how can they know the Holy Spirit? But us as believers, this Holy Spirit will be with us forever. And when we know Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit will make a home in us and be with us forever. And then in verses 18 through 20, Jesus continues, I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. So Jesus, again, assures his disciples, in a little bit, you're not going to be able to really see me as flesh and blood anymore. But you're not going to be left alone. You're not going to be left alone. But even as Jesus is in heaven, he's saying, you're still going to be able to see me. Sometimes in life, we can get so, so busy and so caught up in, in seeing all the tragedies in the world that we can forget sometimes to pause and take a deep breath and to think about where we have seen God at work. Because if we as Christians believe and know that Jesus is alive and that he is Lord, then because he is alive, because he is Lord, Jesus is at work in this world. But sometimes as believers, we have to stop and pause and really think about and pray about where we have seen Jesus at work. One of my friends, she keeps a little notebook with her and she writes those moments down. She takes the time when she sees that moment, she pauses and she writes it down so that she can keep that reminder with her of where she has seen Jesus at work. Sometimes it's, it's how Jesus pulls people together in beautiful ways, how he, he pulls believers together and creates this beautiful family solely based on his name. Sometimes it's Jesus leading us in, in the moment to reach out to someone 
And in that moment when we reach out, they speak about how much they needed that. Or it's a friend of mine named Eddie Spencer who at one point went to prison because he was an angry young man who held someone at gunpoint to rob him. And when he was in prison, that man he robbed visited him regularly, talking with him about the love of Jesus Christ. And because of that man visiting him so regularly, preaching about Jesus' love for him in spite of what he had done to this man, Eddie's now a pastor reaching out to, to kids in the city of Jackson with his own story. The power of Jesus at work, transforming lives, holding us together. Jesus is at work when we allow ourselves to see him at work, though we cannot see him physically. We see him at work in our world. And here in these verses, we also hear Jesus promising us that he is coming again. Sometimes we can get tired of waiting, but we are reminded of the promise that he is coming again. And that on that day, that we will with all of creation see Jesus in all of his glory and truth for who he truly is. On that day, we will see him. And because we know him as Lord, because he lives, we also will live. And death will not be our story, but life. And then in verses 21 through 24, Jesus continued, They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my father and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. So in verse 21, we see Jesus again reference verse 15. That to love him is to keep his commandments. As Sammy said to the kids, when we love our parents, we listen to them, we obey them. We live as they have taught us to live. That's how we show them our love for them. We reveal our love for Jesus by being obedient and faithful, by keeping his word alive. Because the word of God can't just be our encouragement and our comfort. And our comfort. The word of God is called to shape us, but it only has the weight that we give it to shape us and to make us into faithful disciples who reveal our love for our Savior. 
when we obey Jesus, when we show our love for him, when we keep his word alive, we reveal the weight of what it means to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. In our obedience, in our faithful response, we reveal his worth in our lives. And then in verses 25 and 26, Jesus said, I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. So again, after Jesus reminds his disciples that to love him is to be obedient to his commandments, to keep his word alive. He follows it up with, but remember that even when you cannot see me, you are not alone. That we have not been left to our own devices, that God has sent us the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus says in another place that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we will be able to do even greater things. That through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we as believers will be able to prove who Jesus is to this world. But the Holy Spirit, it isn't just our comforter. It isn't just the one who reminds us that Jesus came and died to take away our sins. And the Holy Spirit isn't just our guide to help us figure out how we are called to live. The Holy Spirit is also our convictor. The one who reminds us of Jesus' words. The one who reminds us of where we have fallen short in being obedient. The one who reminds us of where we have fallen short of proving our love for our Savior. The Holy Spirit can be such a great comfort, but when it comes time to convict us, we can often want to silence our ears. But again, Scripture only has the weight we give it. Holy Spirit will guide us and will lead us and will convict us as as we allow our ears to be open to hearing how God is calling us to be faithful, how God is calling us to show our love for him. About 10 days ago, my mentor asked me, who do you want to be? In your whole life, who do you want to be? What do you want to be known for? What are the values that you want to define your life? As I have kept reading through and praying through this passage, I kept coming back to that question because I was, as I was asking myself that question of who do I want to be, I kept asking myself of how have I been allowing Jesus' commandments to shape my life? Of how have I, in my life, been revealing my love for Jesus in my whole life? How have I been allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me, to guide me, to comfort me, and to convict me? As Christians, we are called to 
be comforted by the Holy Spirit, to be emboldened by the Holy Spirit, but also to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. To allow the Holy Spirit to shape us into who God has created us to be and called us to be. And sometimes that can be an uncomfortable process. But as we live in a world where it seems like every time we turn on the news, there's another tragedy, another shooting, another life lost too soon, another outbreak of some disease where it seems like we just expect to hear bad news. We as Christians are called allow the Holy Spirit to lead us to respond. But we have to first allow the Holy Spirit to shape our lives, to shape us so that we may respond as Jesus' witnesses of light and hope and love in this world, as messengers of the truth that, that death is but a doorway. On this Pentecost Sunday, I want to invite us to leave with the question of who do we want to be? And invite us to prayerfully discern who do we want to be as we seek the Spirit's guidance and conviction in response to a world crying out for disciples of Jesus Christ to live as a people who speak of a resurrected Lord. May we begin to to prayerfully hold that question in our hearts as the offering baskets are passed and as the worship team comes to lead us in a final song. Who do we want to be? Let us pray. Lord, you are good and you are holy. And sometimes, Lord, we just fall short. We forget that even though we may not be able to see you physically, that we have not been left alone. That you have given us your spirit to guide us, to shape us, to lead us. Help us not to run, but help us to be shaped by your spirit so that we may speak into this world 